Welcome to Across the Street, your one-stop shop for all things inpatient medicine at the Durham VA, from faculty and staff who know it and love it just as much as you do. My name is Brian Schneider, and I'm the hospitalist section chief at the Durham VA. I'm going to talk today about what our medicine providers and house staff need to know about our inpatient psychiatry ward and intermediate or step-down criteria for the Durham VA. Um, to start off, I'm going to mention a few cases to give some context to the topic. Um, let's imagine you're on long call with your intern and you get a call from the ED to admit a few patients. One is a patient with DKA on an insulin drip. One, an elderly demented patient with worsening agitation and found to have an acute kidney injury. The ED suspects it is pre-renal as the creatinine has gone from 0.9 to 3.1. And the patient was recently on psychiatry. And the last one is a suicidal young man with recurrent admissions to the VA for uncomplicated alcohol withdrawal, seeking alcohol use disorder rehabilitation and treatment and help for his SI. Because as a good resident, you want to triage these quickly, you ask yourself, can I accept someone on an insulin drip to the floor? Can psychiatry take the elderly guy since he required a lot of medication changes to manage his behavior last time? I mean, they can give him fluids there, right? And for the last guy, can he go to psych? And do we even do alcohol use disorder or drug rehab? And lastly, should any of these guys be observation? So for this talk, I hope you will be able to answer these questions and learn a little bit more about the limitations and abilities for care on our various wards at the VA. First, I want to talk about our inpatient psychiatry wards. This is an important topic because at times we need to consider transferring a patient from psychiatry to medicine or vice versa, or to simply triage a patient in the ED. And it's important to know what care can be provided on the psychiatry floor. First, just a little background. The inpatient psychiatry wards are located on the ninth floor in a term PARC, P-A-R-C, for Psychiatric Acute Recovery Center. They're divided into two wings, 9A and 9B, similar to medicine, and both are locked units. In general, there are less beds on 9A, about 6 to 10, and about 18 beds on 9B, so a lot less than our medicine wards. The patient makeup on the two wards can be similar, but in general, the inpatient psychiatry team does try to have the demented patients with behavioral disturbances on 9B. However, however this is not a designated dementia or memory care ward. How do patients get there? Mostly through admission via our PEC, psychiatry part of the emergency room but also through transfer. For transfers, the psychiatry inpatient consult team must be following the patient on medicine to transfer the patient to park, since the consult team does the transfer. Now, some important things to remember for park in terms of limitations of patient care as compared to the medical wards, and this should help you when triaging patients in the ED or thinking if someone needs to transfer to park. A patient cannot need oxygen, they cannot have a Foley, a continuous IV, or telemetry. This may not seem obvious, but the patients on INA and IB are usually psychiatrically quite ill and could use the tubing from the Foley, IV, telemetry to hurt themselves or others. However, a patient on part can get labs or an EKG or even one liter bolus of fluid. However, continuous fluids is not permitted due to the risk of the IV without one-to-one -one observation. So basically, no hanging tubes. On the same note, the patient rooms have sleigh beds without pressure offloading or adjustable heights, which can be a wound care issue for some patients and a transfer issue for others. The patients also have a shared bathroom, which is important if C. diff is a consideration. 
And the nursing staffing is such that patients generally need to be independent in transfers or ADLs, especially if a fall risk. Finally, the nursing ratio is more commonly 1 to 8, but varies from 1 to 7 to 1 to 10, in comparison to medicine where it's 1 to 5, making nursing expectations different than a medicine provider might expect on med surge. So if you are thinking of transferring your medical patient who is suicidal or has other acute psychiatric issues, then a good rule of thumb is a patient can transfer to 9A or B if they would be able to go home with minimal assistance. And remember, psychiatry consults needs to be involved. Now back to that third case, an alcohol use disorder. Alcohol withdrawal can be treated on PARC, but as stated, the patient cannot need fluids, have hemodynamic instability to work frequent vitals. It must be either committable, meaning suicidal, homicidal, or if not committable, agreeable to going to a locked unit. Thus, psychiatry and PC favors and needs the patients with clear hemodynamic and medical stability, some psychiatric comorbidity, and no history of complicated alcohol withdrawal that might get unstable. The last one's a deal breaker. So clearly, some of these patients admitted for alcohol withdrawal are managed on medicine wards and some on PARC. Importantly, though, PARC does not offer actual alcohol or other drug addiction rehabilitation. They only do detoxification. There is perhaps more social work interaction on coping skills, and the patient is seen by the psychiatry team, obviously, but PARC does not do specific or inpatient drug or alcohol addiction rehabilitation. That is actually usually done or attempted initially as an outpatient in the VA system. To get that set up for your patient, consult the SUD social worker. There are VAs that do inpatient drug or alcohol addiction rehabilitation, but patients usually get admitted to them, like uh, VAs such as Fayetteville or Hampton, from an outpatient SUDS clinic. We rarely do inpatient medicine to inpatient alcohol or drug rehab, but the SUDS social worker can help you with these special cases. Let's shift gears to intermediate or step-down status from our first case. This type of ward is called other things at other hospitals, so you may have heard it called progressive care unit or step-up unit, but here at the Durham VA it is called step-down. Why not step-up? Well, the reason's a little complicated, but generally boils down to a lack of space and nursing staffing competencies. Our geographically constrained hospital does not have space for a standalone step-down unit or an observation unit, so we tend to put those patients where nurses exist in the appropriate ratio and with the appropriate expertise to care for them. Thus, we put observation patients mixed in with the acute wards, and we have step-down or intermediate status patients in the ICUs. The VA, CCU, and MICU are closed units, so the MICU resident and fellow or attending and CCU resident attending determine their admissions or transfers. Because of this, the CCU and MICU staff determine admissions to step-down status, and they review patients on intermediate status or step-down at outside hospitals. So they bring the patient to their unit and can then, quote, step down, unquote, the level of needed. So what medical conditions or medications require step down at the Durham VA? I want you to remember more frequent than every four hours. But here is a non-exhaustive or comprehensive list, but the high points. An acute CVA or TIA where neurology recommends anything more than Q4-hour neurochecks. For hypothermia, where the temp is less than 95 and they need specialized rewarming equipment. An acute MI with hemodynamic stability. But think critical care, CCU, if they have ongoing chest pain, electrical instability, EKG changes. 
stepped down for atrioventricular dysrhythmias, where a provider nursing are having to do interventions more than every four hours. Think IV metoprolol pushes. Pulmonary um, causes would be acute BiPAP for more than two hours, continuous pulse oximetry, needing high-flow oxygen more than six liters acutely, so not the guy who lives at eight liters chronically, or respiratory interventions more frequently than every four hours, such as NEBS or suctioning. For medications, this list is not exhaustive, but the common ones to remember are insulin infusions, amiodarone or lidocaine drips, dofetilide or sotalol loading, other cardiac medications including deltizem, labetalol, nitroglycerin, and also Lasix drips. Any sedative or anesthetics like Ativan or Valium infusions, Presidex, any inotropes or pressors also, even home milrinone. Now a few unusual ones that require step down. Uh, patients having arterial lines or epidural infusions, it's important for our post-operative patients, usually the SICU, but also ones with very complicated wound care where it requires more than 30 minutes three times per day. Just remember the Q4 hour interventions, be it NEBS, suctioning, neurochecks, as a trigger to do a CCU make you consult for possible step-down admission. Lastly, I mentioned observation above, and I wanted to mention a few pearls about choosing admission as acute status versus observation of the VA. When determining this decision at admission, do not use the duration of hospitalization as your guide. Quote, can I get this guy in 40 hours? Unquote. Or the two midnight rule. The VA does not use this, but uses a severity of illness and an intensity of service guide called utilization management, which is run by nursing reviewers. The key point is that observation status is technically outpatient and should be reserved for patients with less severe medical conditions, needing less nursing care and lower level clinical decision making. This guide is not always intuitive, so a simple rule is to make a patient observation if the patient is post-procedural, like a post-PCI, hepatic embolization, or has a very low intensity illness, such as simple dehydration, low risk syncope, cellulitis, chest pain with negative markers, negative enzymes, a low heart score, mild COPD flare, low-risk GI bleed, where you are truly observing them and not treating them like an inpatient. If you're admitting them from the ED, then they should generally be an acute admission. However, if you're considering discharge from the ED or in 12 hours, then consider observation. A few things that are never, ever observation. Alcohol detoxification, like our third case, sniff placement, outside hospital transfers, or pancreatitis. Now to circle back to the cases. First case, DKA patient on insulin drip, well that cannot come to the med surge floor because of the insulin. So you advise ED to consult to make you for admission. And they can call back if the patient's stable off the drip for a few hours. In case two, the elderly patient with acute kidney injury, they would need to come to medicine for management of the AKI, likely with continued fluids. And importantly, psychiatry consultation as a transfer to PARC might be indicated once the AKI resolves for continued care of the behavioral management. And for the last patient, the young patient with a history of uncomplicated withdrawal who is suicidal, he can likely detox on PARC given the lack of, of complicated withdrawal and current suicidal ideation. He probably would be best managed by being seen by PEC. And importantly, none are observation emissions. So I hope that gives you a bit of an overview of observation versus acute emissions, step-down criteria, and 
the psychiatry inpatient wards at the Durham VA. And lastly, the views and opinions stated during this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Department of Veteran Affairs or Durham VA Hospital.